Welcome to FEC West Bible Study. The last couple of weeks, we've been going through various questions that people have, have asked and I've responded. And we're going to continue doing that, except we're going to take a break this week. And the reason we're going to take a, a break this week is there's a, a topic, a word that I want to discuss with you because I believe that uh, many people misinterpret this word. Uh, they think somehow uh, they don't have enough of it, or there's this uh, assumption uh, that that's the spiritual thing to do. And that word that we're going to take a look at today is faith. Faith, what does it mean? What's its significance? How do we acquire it? Uh, what benefits are there? And to kind of, um, I guess, use various scriptures towards the end to demonstrate uh, my interpretation of faith. So you see, uh, in, in today's world, faith is kind of thought, what I would say as an assumption. Assume something. I want some goal or I want something to happen. And that goal may even be for the Lord. I want the, the church or the ministry that I have to be larger, or I want... Um, a bigger financial benefit to myself, or I or a family member may be ill, and we just kind of think, well, if I just have enough faith, everything will turn out well. Well, that's not faith. Faith is, is something we'll talk about. It's not an assumption. It's not, well, if I just believe hard enough in something, then that will come true. Unfortunately, that kind of thinking kind of does away with the principle Jesus teaches us on things like prayer. Because in prayer it says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in this, if I just want it bad enough and I just have enough faith and I just say it loud enough, then it'll come true. Well, maybe that's not God's will for us in our lives. And so I want to take a look at faith and again, uh, to encourage you in your faith uh, and to show the benefits of it. And so the uh, verse we'll start off with is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It defines what faith is. And it says, now faith is the assurance or the conviction of things hoped for or the conviction or evidence of things not seen. So first off, we need to unpack that a little bit. Faith is not something that you uh, think might happen. It's, it's, it's something that you have conviction about. It's something that you're certain about. Uh, some similar words that we could use, the verb for faith would be believe or believing. Uh, another similar word would be to trust. It's, all of those words are related to uh a trust, a belief, a faith in God, or sometimes we can use it in, in a human. Uh, but in here, what we're talking about, again, is, is God. And so when we take a look at it, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now, again, we start off and we kind of get off tangent on hope uh, because the idea of biblical hope is slightly different than our common uh, view of hope. So I'll kind of give you uh, an example. Uh, when I was a child, uh, my father died when I was quite young. My brother was substantially older than me, and at the time he was 
an adult and I was a young child. And it was about Christmas time. And I wanted a, um, a slot car, a uh, car that went around the track. It was an electric car. And it is something that I had asked for. No one said that they would get it, but it was what I hoped for. Uh, in my family, uh, we have three words when somebody asks for something. One is yes, and when you want something, that's usually a great response. The other is no, and oftentimes we're disappointed at that. And the third in my family was we'll see. We'll see was not, is, was not said to delay the answer. It was, I don't want to lie to you. So I don't want anything to intercede or interfere with what I do. So if I say yes, but then something interferes with that, then I've in essence lied to you. And so our family would use, we'll see. Uh, but no one ever said yes, no, or I just made them aware that that's what I wanted for Christmas. And I was hoping to get it. No one again, like I said, said I was going to get it. And when Christmas came and I, there was this box that was the exact size for a uh, slot car set. So I was uh, pretty excited that that was going to be what I got. I tore open the package only to see that it was one of those wind up cars on a plastic track. Now my uh, mother taught me to be grateful for whatever you got. And so with all my ability, I tried to look grateful and I said, thank you. I'm sure that uh, my brother could tell that I was not uh, being entirely truthful in my thankfulness because I was disappointed. And then subsequent to that, he brought out, the, which was the slot car that I wanted. Uh, and so obviously I was happy about it. But it, the hope was something I was hoping to get. It was not something that that anybody promised me. It's just something that I wanted uh, and was hoping to get. That's not what the term here for hope is. Hope in the biblical sense is, is that it's an unrealized promise. So I'll give you an, a, another example. As a teenager, um, early in my uh, Christian walk, you hear preaching on Jesus is going to come again. And I believe that, and I faith that, that, yes, I believe that Jesus is going to come. However, uh, in my immaturity, I was hoping that he wouldn't come at that particular time because there was so much of my life I wanted to live. Um, now, having been older, um, I not only still believe, because his word says, He's coming again, but I'm hoping for it. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't realized that promise that he's returned to earth, but I'm hoping for it. There's that hope. And so the faith is that part of the conviction that the word of God is true and that I have not yet experienced it, but I'm hoping to soon. So it's that hope that we have not yet seen. And then it says, for by it men of old gained approval. So again, faith is not a new concept in the sense of the scriptures. All the way back in the Old Testament, men and women received approval from God because they believed God, because they had faith in what he said and who he was. And so there is that. So uh, 
If we look a little further in in Rome, I mean, in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse six, it says this: "And without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek or diligently seek Him." And so, faith is obviously very important because you cannot please God without faith. You can do all the do's and don'ts of the commandments, but if you don't have faith, you're not pleasing God. It's, as the scripture says, impossible. It is not possible to please God unless you have faith. So this word is very important because we all, as believers, want to please God. We want to be pleasing to our Lord. And so faith is a necessary part of that. So how do we obtain faith? So if you look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so in order to have faith come to you, you need to hear the word of God. And by hearing the word of God and then believing that God is true in what he says, that's where faith comes. And so faith comes by hearing, but not just anything. It comes by hearing the word of Christ or the word of God. And so one of the ways, again, to increase faith, if that's your goal, and I hope that it is, is that we read the scriptures, we are attuned to what the Word of God is. And so, for instance, if I don't know that the Word of God says that nothing will separate me from the love of Christ, then I can't believe, I can't have faith that nothing will separate me from the love of Christ. Because now I've heard the Word of God, and then I've said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are faithful to do that. And so the more we understand and the more we get involved in the Word of God, then the more faith can come because more of the Word is instilled in us and the more that we can say, yes, Lord, I know that is true. And so not only is do we acquire faith by hearing in the Word of God, it also comes and is there and a, another, so if you will take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, and it's one of those well-known scriptures. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So we are saved by grace, by the unmerited favor. Well, how is it that I know that I have received grace? Because I have faith. So I've been saved by grace, the mechanism faith, but then notice what it says. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, but it comes as a gift from God so that we can't boast. So uh, you'll get this analogy later, but uh, for instance, I might say, well, my faith is the size of a pea, and your faith is only the size of a mustard seed, and this other person's faith is only the size of a speck of dust. See, isn't it so wonderful that I have faith the size of a pea? 
And I can't boast because whatever size of faith that I may or may not have is not because of me. It's been a gift given by God. And so faith is not something that we should uh, think that we are better than somebody because we have more faith than somebody else does. And now, the other thing that the faith has as far as a benefit is you'll turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It tells us this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So faith justifies us. Justify is a legal term that means that you're without guilt. You're not excused from the sin. You are justified. And faith is what does that. It causes you to be justified. And by being justified, we then have peace with God. So faith gives us that justification and gives us peace with God. And then uh, there's some additional things that, that faith uh, is uh, beneficial. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse uh, 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, it's not saying that we walk blindly, but we walk by faith. We walk because God has revealed His Word to us. He's revealed His promises to us. And having revealed that to us, we then walk by that construct, not by sight. So um, God may say that this will happen, and other people will say, well, there's no way that's going to happen. And we live our lives based on what God has said, even though uh, the world and the evidence at the particular time may say uh, we doubt it. But because you know God and you know his word and you know who he is, you have faith because he does what he says he will do. And so that walking is that living a life. Uh, and one other verse related to that is in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says this. I have been crucified with Christ. and It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I am now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now notice both that we walk by faith and we live by faith. Unfortunately, there seems to be this belief that we conduct our lives because there may be something that happens. Uh, there's an illness or there's a, a difficulty or there's some goal that we want to have. And we think that, that that's the time to apply faith. Now, faith is something that should be in our lives every single day. Faith is what we walk by. Faith is what we live by. It's not something that comes and goes and is greater at one point than another. Our whole being should be one of faith, believing God, and living our lives accordingly. 
again, like I said, too often it's like, well, if you just had enough faith, that wouldn't have happened or that would have happened. And it's not about that one particular time. We should be living our entire lives in faith. Now, faith does not have to be massive. In Matthew chapter 17, we're going through a number of verses uh, tonight because the scriptures have so much to say about faith. And so Matthew 17, verse 6, says this. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, okay, we're going to go from 6 on. It says, When the disciples heard this, they fell down to the ground and were terrified. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up and do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. And they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded television to no one. And he goes on. And basically, Jesus will tell them if that if you have the faith of the size of a mustard seed, and you can tell this mountain to move, and it'll move. So apparently very little faith will cause a significant happening. Now, assuming if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell any mountain to move, and it'll move. There is a word of God that is spoken of that talks about when the mountains will move. And when that happens, because God has said it and we believe it, it requires very little faith. Now, the next one is in Matthew uh, chapter 14, verse 31. And it says this. And this was when uh, Peter saw Jesus walking on the water and the, and the uh, disciples were terrified. And Jesus said, if, uh, Peter says, if it's you, Lord, uh, command me to come out of the water. And he said, come out. And Peter walked on, on the water for a period until he saw the waves. He got fearful and he began to sink. And he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out and saved him. And they were back in the boat. And Jesus' response was this. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took him hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? So you notice that it wasn't that Jesus rebukes him by saying he had no faith. It was that he had some faith, little faith, but doubt crept in, which caused him to sink. So I think it's funny that Jesus says that if you have the faith of the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move. However, it seems that we never have enough faith when it comes when we are anxious or fearful. When we're anxious and fearful, it seems that's when we need the greatest amount of faith. And that seems to be when we have the least amount of faith. So, Faith should be, even in those critical times, when we are fearful or anxious, instead of being fearful or anxious, we should have faith because we know that God has said that 
every hair on our head is numbered. Our rising up and our falling is, is, is uh, known by God. That we are more valuable than sparrows, and yet sparrows uh, don't fall to the ground without God's notice. And so knowing all of these things, and Jesus tells us, instead of being fearful, to seek first the kingdom of God. And so he tells us how to institute that faith rather than having fear. And so, um, unfortunately, I guess, while we think, well, if I just have enough faith, these things will happen. And we never consider how little faith we have when we're fearful or anxious. Now, I want to go back to Hebrews because I want to talk to you in Hebrews chapter 11 because I want to talk to you about that concept that I have that faith is an assumption. Faith is responding to the word of God. If God doesn't speak, then there's no reason to have faith because faith is responding to the word of God. And so uh, we're going to take a look at uh, Hebrews 11 chapter 3. I mean, chapter 11 verse 3. And it says this. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Basically saying that, as Genesis says, God spoke the world into existence. He created the world out of nothing. Now, science will tell us, that there's the Big Bang and billions of years and whatever. And they view their, the evidence of what happened based on their worldview. What we need to do is base our opinion on the Word of God. And there is still evidence that what God said is true. It's, so it's not blind faith. It's not, well, we'll just believe God, although we should just believe God. But we can use our minds to show that God did create the world, that there is a designer, that things are so complicated that there's irreducible complexity, that uh, the way life started violates what science says, how life can start. And so there's no reason for us to retreat from science, but we start from the opinion that God has said, all the way back in Genesis, I created the world by unseen things. And so we believe that. Um, but again, like I said, uh, God didn't say, I'm going to give you no evidence for that. It's just blind faith. But I'll be honest with you. If there were no evidence, and God said it, then I'll believe God. Because I know eventually science will catch up to what God said. Next, it says in um, verse 7 about Noah. It says, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things yet seen, and reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. God told Noah, I'm going to destroy the world by a flood. So I want you to build an ark. Now, 
having the world destroyed by a flood had never happened before. Um, but Noah was told by God to do it. And it wasn't like, well, okay, well, I'll build a little canoe, and three weeks later we'll do it. It took decades, perhaps a hundred years, for him to build the ark. And I'm sure there were those who mocked him and ridiculed him. Why would you build a boat in the middle of dry land? But Noah responded to the world, word of God and had faith that God would do what he said. So again, notice Noah didn't say, oh, I think I'll build an ark because mankind is terrible and evil and God ought to destroy him. And so maybe if I build a boat, he'll do that. No, Noah responded to what God said. Again, using um, Abraham in verse 8, it says this, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed the going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Again, Abraham didn't say, oh, I think I'll move because I don't like it here, and God will benefit me when I go. He goes, no, God calls him to leave where he was and to go, and Abraham, in faith, responded knowing that God would give him an inheritance. Using the next verse, we see in verse 11, it says this, By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now we know that uh, initially Sarah had a problem with that. When she was told about that she would conceive, she laughed. And that's one of the reasons and the main reason why Isaac was named Isaac, because that means laughter. And so um, the entire lifetime of Isaac that memory of you laughed when you heard it, but Sarah came around to believe God, and because of that, she understood and had faith in God. And so there are times when God will say things that just seems beyond probability, beyond possibility, that we do have a God of the impossible. And even though Sarah was too old by human reckoning to conceive, because God said so, she did. And again, her faith grew having responded to God. And so again, um, there are times when we have difficulty in our faith, that we struggle in our faith. Um, but that doesn't mean God gives up on you. Again, using Sarah as an example, that she initially laughed, but then she started to believe God. And then in... Um, Verse uh, 13, it says, All these died in faith, without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So again, this is what I, I want you to understand about faith. When God says something, it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll happen instantaneously. There are times when God says, this is what's going to happen. So, for instance, uh, using the Jesus is coming. Uh, Jesus may come in my lifetime. He may not come in my lifetime. Doesn't mean that he's not coming. But I look forward to it in the distance. Abraham was told that he would be the father of many nations and that he would have this land 
that had been promised to him, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So he had faith. But then when Abraham says, well, when's this going to happen? Basically, God goes, well, 400 years after you're dead, you know, the people will come out of Egypt, and you'll have this land. And so God's plans sometimes aren't within our lifetime, but we still can believe God because he is faithful to accomplish what he says he's going to accomplish, even if we're not there to see it in the physical. But Abraham did see God do what God said he would do because he was in the presence of God. And then another, using again um, Abraham, in verse 17 through 19, it says this, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises, was offering up his only begotten son. It was he whom it was said, And Isaac your descendant shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back in a type. What the scriptures are saying is, when God told Abraham to take his son, his only son, the son of the promise, the one that God said that you will have an inheritance and this people will become a people, will become a nation, and if you could count all the sands on the shore, you'll be able to count your people. It was going to be through Isaac. That was the promise. But God says, I want you to take Isaac, that one and the promise, and I want you to sacrifice him. So he took him to Mount Moriah. And uh, as the story goes, uh, as they were going up the hill, Isaac goes, where's the lamb? And, and the ram and, and Abraham tells Isaac, God will himself provide the lamb. The faith part isn't that Abraham thought that God would stop him if he showed he was willing to sacrifice Isaac. The faith is that Abraham thought, I'm going to kill my son, the one that was promised, because God told me to, but I know God is able to raise him even from the dead. Now that's faith. And so Abraham acts not because he assumed a sacrifice would be acceptable, but because God did so, and he knew God and made a promise and that God would keep it. And then Moses in chapter 11, verse 28, it says this, By faith he, that being Moses, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not be touched by them. So I want you to, I mean, we kind of read through Exodus and go, isn't that isn't that the, uh, the children of Israel were told to sacrifice a lamb, to place the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lintel, and like a cross, if you will, and that they were to eat the lamb inside. And as long as that blood was on the the doorposts and lentils, that the death angel would pass over them, that they would be safe. Now, again, nothing like this had happened. So no, Moses, number one, had to tell all the children of Israel, this is what you need to do. So they had to, in essence, believe Moses, who Moses 
was believing God by saying, well, how does placing blood on a doorpost, a lentil, prevent the death angel from coming and killing the firstborn? But they believed God. They saw that the blood covered them. It didn't matter the quality of the person inside. They could be reprobates. They could be, quote-unquote, saints. But God said, if I see the blood, I'll pass over. And believing that, he told the people, and the people and Moses believing they did as God had said so. And then the last verse, as far as faith goes, it says in verse 39 and 40, All these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, but God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us they would not be made perfect. So God's saying that they believe God, and sometimes it didn't happen in their lifetime, but that we might be a part of that promise of God, that we are united in that. And so the aspect, for instance, of the Passover, we still celebrate the Passover because we understand that Jesus truly is our Passover lamb, that we, when God sees the blood of Christ, that he passes over all of our sins. And so we believe those things, and yet there are times when in each of these lives, they did not get at the time what was promised. And we are such a microwave world. Things must be uh, accomplished right away. Uh, even our television shows, whether they're 30 minutes or an hour long, we'll see the conflict and the situation. And you can almost, and you look, and you can look at your watch, and you know if it's an hour-long program, that within uh, five minutes of the show being over, the conflict will be resolved. Everything will be wonderful. Uh, every, everybody will live happily ever after. No matter how it may seem impossible for it to resolve in that five minutes. And that's kind of how we expect life to be. And that is not how life is. That there are times when God says, this is what is going to happen. That we have to believe him and we believe him whether it happens instantaneously or not. So faith, it's not assumption. It comes by hearing from the Word of God. We get it by a gift. It justifies us. We're to live according to it. Uh, we are to understand that even a little can accomplish many things, but it's not the faith that does the accomplishment is believing God, and it is God who accomplishes great things. But the last thing I want to say is that while without faith it is impossible to please God, and that we have this tendency to focus on faith at certain critical times rather than saying, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to live by faith. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are, whether they are good circumstances or bad circumstances. So my encouragement to you is to live by faith because it pleases God. But faith should not be the be-all, end-all of our 
desire. I'm going to read a, a passage from Corinthians chapter 13, the, the love chapter. And I want you to see what it says. As significant as faith is, that it, without it, we can't please God. And that we need to live by it. We need to conduct ourselves according to it. But notice this, it says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith to us to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Notice, even if he says, I have so much faith that I not only do I say this mountain moves, but I move all mountains. And if I give my possessions to feed the poor, and I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Then he tells us what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If it, there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. And when I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But when we face but when we are then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have also been fully known. Now, this is the verse I want you to pay attention to. But now faith, hope, love, abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, to me, the sad thing is that you hear all kinds of people talk about faith and having faith, and if I just speak these things, and if I just believe these things, if I do these things, then somehow God will do these things. But faith is temporary. We'll no longer need faith when we see God face to face. We'll no longer need to believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, because we will see Him. So faith will be done away with. Hope will be done away with, because there will be no unrealized promises. But the one thing that will remain is love, because God is love. So I encourage you to strive to be more faith, that you seek God's gift of faith, that you listen to his word and increase in faith, understanding that it takes very little to accomplish many things, and yet it seems to take a lot more faith to no longer be anxious or fearful. But as our desire to increase faith, I encourage you also to desire all the more that which would be eternal, to love. Faith is awesome. Faith is good. Love helps others. 
love seeks others' benefits, not ours. And quite frankly, we may have enough faith to not be fearful. But I can tell you, we should always seek love. Jesus tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, all our soul. To love our neighbor as ourselves. To even love our enemy. And then he says, to love one another as he has loved us and gave himself for us. So I encourage you to know about faith, to grow in faith, to understand faith, but that not be the sole goal. But the goal also is to be with that, it's eternal love. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you give us faith. We thank you that in faith we're justified, in faith we're secure, in faith uh, we have salvation. We ask God that you would, as the father who was fearful of his child dying, uh, and when the Lord said, do you believe? He said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. God, for those who are struggling in their faith, God, I ask that you would give them faith, that they would read your word, that they would see where you would never leave them or forsake them, that you are returning again. All the promises that you state in your word that would encourage us, I pray, God, that we would seek that. Father, also, that we would seek the better to love one another. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that you have a great rest of the day. May God bless.